Welcome to the Mount Sinai Missionary Baptist Church Podcast, where the Reverend Leo R. Thomas is our pastor. As a church, we desire to preach and to teach the gospel of Jesus Christ so that all are saved. We hope that you're encouraged by this message. Hello, family. It's Pastor Thomas. It is Sunday, Sunday, May 24th. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Hey, listen, we are approaching, I believe, in the next couple of weeks, a significant time period for us, specifically over the last 30, 60 days, almost 90 days now, uh, as we are approaching to come out of the pandemic, out of COVID-19 stay-at-home order, and be able to gather again back at the house of the Lord. Uh, I have a meeting, a conference call scheduled with some of the leaders of the church. We'll be discussing in detail what that will look like. So please stay tuned for more information in the coming days. Also want to let you all know that on Tuesday, Tuesday this week, May 26th, I will be down at the church at 10 o'clock on Tuesday morning. Be three other pastors with me and we will be traveling that day to uh, all four of the churches in which we are privileged to be the under shepherds of. That means Mount Sinai. We're going to be going to New Hope Missionary Baptist Church, to Christian Enrichment Center, and then to Park Windsor Baptist Church in Los Angeles. So Pastor Williams, Pastor Sutton, and Pastor Taylor will join me at Mount Sinai Tuesday morning, and we will pray for the church and we will pray for the kingdom. Uh, if any of you are in the area and you so desire to stop by uh, and join us in prayer by way of social distancing, number one, number two, please bring a mask with you. If you do stop by, uh, you're more than happy. We'll be at the church probably for about a half hour. Listen, if you're working, if you have other things to do, please do not change your plans. I would just ask wherever you are, just think uh, fondly upon us at 1015 Tuesday morning, because we will be entering into consecration prayer for all four of those churches specifically, but for the church and the kingdom at large, that God would just be uh, gracious to us as he has been, but even more so as we prepare to open back up, prepare to open back up his church and that the people uh, would be blessed uh, as we prepare to go back in and that uh, this entire process of pandemic and COVID-19 would be stifled, stopped in its tracks, uh, but that the people of God would be revived to worship and to praise him with great glory, adoration, and honor uh, based on the fact God has kept us uh, in our right mind during such a difficult uh, and tumultuous um, time. Uh, listen, we got to get after the word of God. That's what we're here for. We're here for the word of God. Uh, and we want to be about our father's business. Uh, but before we turn into the word, we want to pray of all of those sick and shut in, the bereaved hearts of God's people, uh, those of you who are struggling during this time. Uh, of course, we're lifting you up before the Lord. Let's let's go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, God, how we bless and praise, how we thank thee, Lord God, for your blessing. We thank you, Lord God, with a grateful hearts that you have kept us in spite of uh, ourselves. 
God, how we thank thee, Lord God, for your covering, for your graciousness, for your mercy unto us, Lord God. If it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, where would we be? God, we thank you because you have provided for us, uh, even in times of uncertainty, Lord God, you've continued to keep us clothed in our right mind, God. You have blessed our families. You have covered them and provided for them a cloak of well-being. So, God, we thank you today just for who you are, and we thank you for what you've done. God, as we prepare our hearts and minds this morning for your word, Lord, we ask that you would break up the fallow ground of our hearts. Prepare us even now, Lord God, that you would take out of us that which is unbecoming and pour into us what thus saith the Lord. We thank you for your blessings. We thank you for all of those who are listening. Continue to bless everyone under the sound of my voice. And we'll be careful to give you praise, to give you honor, and to give you glory. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Family, turn your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah chapter 55, as we continue in a series that we began last week. And let me just say for the record, Mount Sinai family, we love you, we appreciate you, and we thank God for you. Uh, I can tell you flat out unequivocally, 100% for certainty, not want to pastor any other church other than Mount Sinai. That, that's the way I feel. Now, listen, today is May 24th. That's the way I feel today. Now, uh, we get back and y'all start trying me and my... <laughs> I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Hey, I love you, and I, I want to be with you all. I know you all are down for the get down when it comes to Mount Sinai, and we appreciate that. So all of our visitors, of course, we're thankful for you, and we ask that you would just continue to tune in with us. And uh, we pray if any of you are close by, though, uh, here in a couple of weeks, we believe, we believe uh, that we'll be back together, and we want you to come visit us. I want to see you face-to-face, not just uh, you listening to us via podcast. Amen? Here, listen, in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 6 and 7 specifically, verse 6 and 7, technically, verse 4 and 5 goes along with verse 3, where it talks about David uh, last week. But I want to deal with verse 6 and 7. We're moving in progression through Isaiah chapter 55, which consists of 13 verses, 13 short verses, uh, but yet they are potent. They're powerful meaningful verses, specifically as it pertains to God's expectation of his people. And here in chapter 55 of Isaiah, verse 6 and 7, they read as follows. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Verse 7, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. From those two verses, I want to continue in a theme that we began last week, the fundamental concepts of consecration to Christ. The fundamental concepts of consecration to Christ, the remix. A remix, part two, part two, part two. The book of Isaiah derives its title from the Arthur, whose name means the Lord is salvation. And his name is similar 
to that of Joshua, that of Elijah, and Jesus Christ himself. Isaiah is quoted directly in the New Testament over 65 times, far more than any other Old Testament prophet. And he's mentioned by name over 20 times. As we established on last Sunday, chapter 55 of the book of Isaiah shares with us some basic, straightforward rudimentary fundamentals of consecration to Christ. In God's most simplistic fashion, Isaiah puts before the people of God principles that define a concretized dedication to God that is expected of all of those who call upon his name. If we were to take a moment and consider it, God's value of heaven and spiritual things versus our values of heaven and spiritual things are quite different. His salvation, when he set a price upon it, was to be brought to men only through the death of Jesus Christ. The problem is people think that their good works can win the heaven, which Jesus Christ, the Son of God, secured at the cost of his own blood. What an insult to God. If there was another way to heaven by works, why would God put his dear son through all the grief, all the pain, all the anguish, and all of the sorrow? If there was an alternative, why the vivid scenes of Gethsemane? Why the tragedy on Golgotha? If this thing called salvation, reconciliation, and redemption could have been achieved another way. That thought process in itself is offensive to the love and the wisdom of the God that we serve. There is no attribute of God which self-righteousness does not impugn. It debases the eternal perfections which Jesus himself magnified in order to exalt the pretensions of the creature that is unwashed in the blood of Christ, which the Almighty God despises as vain and worthless. We attempt, family, to barter our giftedness for trinkets of praise and adoration. But if we were to offer all that we have to God without surrender to Jesus, it would be rejected. God is not moved by the material ostentatiousness in which church has become. There are many a church member that believe that they can bargain with God for his unspeakable love and mercy. We need to be reminded that God will not give us choice provisions that we do not know how to appreciate. We must be willing to eradicate the old nature in order to appreciate the blessing of the new nature, which God offers to each and every one of us who's willing to accept it. And as we continue to delve into Isaiah chapter 55, the prophet of God shares more insight to the fundamental concepts of consecration. To Christ. 
The first thing that he says here in verse six, the Bible says very specifically, seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Here's the first thing that you need to write down. This is the eighth portion of verse six. Isaiah declares unto us, specifies to us whom to seek, whom to seek. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Yeah, he says that you ought to research him, to check him out, amen, to to relish the relationship that God offers unto us. If we want to be consecrated and surrender to the Lord, then it is imperative that we take time to seek him. To relish in the presence of God is not like anything else you can experience. There is no other pleasure. There is no other satisfaction or level of fulfillment that we can have that is able to measure up to the intimate interaction and interface that we are able to enjoy with the true and the living God. To have an opportunity to hide away and speak to him. And to hear from him is joy that is indescribable and indefinable. Last week, we entertained the first invitation in Isaiah chapter 55. This second invitation is a strong imperative to seek the Lord. To seek means to look for and search for. It means to inquire about, to investigate, to pursue, and to strive after. It means to plead and cry for something to the point of struggling. Listen listen to what I'm saying. Only a person who senses a deep need will seek the Lord with such a sense of urgency. This is exactly the objective of God's invitation. There is an urgent need for every human being, for all of mankind to seek the Lord. The second invitation here includes a warning, though. That is, it is possible for people to wait too long. Yeah, they they fail to seek the Lord. Yeah, they, they fail to seek him while he may be found. They they fail to go after the things of godliness and spirituality. They they just kind of rest on their laurels and they fail to seek God. Opportunities are not always readily available for us to seek the Lord. Listen to me, hear me well. Uh, For those of you overly spiritual individuals that believe that it's okay to steal away work time in order that you might read your devotional or read your Bible, let me just flat out tell you that is not godly. That is not of God because God expects that we would be accountable to that which we commit to. And if you're committed to a job that's paying you a wage, that means your focus and your attention should be 100% unequivocally on that while you're there. Yeah, that, that doesn't mean that you love the Lord so much that while I'm at work, I can't wait until Bible study. So I'm going to take 30 minutes out of my work schedule that I'm being paid to do a job and spend time in devotion to God. Throughout the day, our minds need to be focused on our work and our other responsibilities. 
there's far greater opportunity to seek the Lord, to find him in the quietness of our home or in the setting that is the church. It's far easier to sense the Lord's presence in a quiet atmosphere than in the hustle and the bustle of noisy surroundings. And as big as God is, it's not always easy for people to seek him. We sometimes tend to harden our hearts to such a degree that we feel like God is far off, that he is completely out of reach to us. Do you know the more we disobey God, the more acceptable our sinful behavior appears? Our conscience can become dead, insensitive to sin, and that frame of mind will, out of natural sinful instinct, it will refuse to seek the Lord as readily as we would if our hearts were not hardened, but instead were open and sensitive to the things of God. We are to seek the Lord with completeness, completeness. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 4, 29, but if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him if thou seek him with all thy heart and with all thy soul. Yes. Some of us are seeking the Lord out of uh, things that we believe bring him honor and glory, where others just want to have a heart-to-heart relationship with God. Uh, we seek him out of our heart, out of the abundance of our hearts, hearts that are broken, hearts that are frail, hearts that are fragile, hearts that have been stepped on and pushed aside and, and, and spit on, hearts that have been slapped around and misused and abused. And yet, God says, I want you to seek me with all thy heart. This heart, Lord God, is not even 100% functioning. He says, well, then give me all that you have and let me do the rest. We're supposed to seek God with completeness, all our heart and with all our soul. But we're also supposed to seek God with consistency. Now, the Bible says in 1 Chronicles 16, 11, seek the Lord and his strength, seek his face continually. Now, this is not a Sunday activity. This is not a Wednesday night protocol. This is consistently, continually seeking the Lord. Why would God tell people who are already his to seek him? We're going to come to that a little later. Yeah, We need to seek him with completeness. We need to seek him with consistency, but we also need to seek him with consecration. Because the Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Consecration means dedication. Yeah, it means setting apart. It means that you have a, a, a sacredness, a divinity for the things of God, that you understand who he is and why he is to be dealt with differently than anybody else. Isaiah did not say seek soothsayers, fortune tellers, astrologers, mystics, or oracles. No, he said, seek 
the Lord. The first thing he does here in verse six is he tells us whom to seek. But then the second part of it, some of y'all trying to go ahead of me, trying to preach my sermon. Listen to me. The second part, call ye upon him while he is near, tells you when to seek. Yeah, it's, a, it's a simple text. All you got to do is have a little bit of spiritual imagination. He tells us whom to seek, but then he also tells us when to seek. Call ye upon him while he is near. The second part of verse six shares with us another imperative that we must heed if we are to be consecrated to Christ. And that is to call upon him or to pray to him while he is available or nearby. Many believers do not enjoy a closeness or intimacy with God because they spend very little time, if any, with him in prayer. Yeah, they do not take time out to talk to him. Some do not talk to him because they're no longer near or close to him. Their hearts have become cold or they have lost their first love for the Lord. This was the problem that the Lord had with the church at Ephesus in the book of Revelation. The church at Ephesus had become too busy with the activity of the church that their affection for God had disappeared and became null and void. Listen, family, when the closeness of the people within your auxiliary is more important than your affection for God, your love for him has faded. When accolades of the membership is more important than rightly dividing the word of God, listen up preachers and teachers, your love for him has shifted. When you would prefer to be politically correct rather than stand firm on the principles, the doctrines, and the statutes of God, calling sin exactly that which it is, your love for God has waned. The Bible says in Psalm 145, verse 18, the Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon him, to all that call upon him in truth. When we call on God, we will never cease to be amazed at how he may go about answering our prayers and provide for our needs. But in order to call on God, it requires a reliance on him. It requires conviction, dependability, and assurance that God will hear and answer our prayers. Listen to me. He always hears. He always answers. He just may not answer the way you want him to. That's the problem that many of us have. So we become fed up with prayer because I prayed and I prayed and and God didn't answer me. And I prayed and I prayed. You guys have heard the story about the man who got caught in some floodwaters and had to climb on top of a roof. And they sent a boat to get him and they sent something else to get him and a helicopter. And finally he died and went to heaven. And he told God, listen, God, I called upon you like you told me to. And yet you didn't answer me. You didn't rescue me. And God said, I sent a boat and I sent a helicopter. Now, my goodness, if you don't have enough sense to catch it, what it is God is throwing, then the problem is you. In order to call God, to call God, to call upon him, It requires reliance. It requires conviction. It requires dependability and assurance 
that God will hear, and not only will he hear, but that God will answer. What would be the purpose of calling upon someone that you know is unable to help you in your time? And there's some people, if I need to borrow some money, yeah, I know who the money folk are in the church. Uh, Deacon Barry, I'm calling on you, man. I'm calling on you. Mother Turner, I'm calling on you. Janice Davis, I'm calling on you. Uh, yeah, I know who the money for Deacon uh, Tony Williamson, I'm called Deacon McGee, I'm calling on you, man. I know who the money folk are in the church. Why would I go to somebody who I know ain't got nothing? And, and I did say ain't. Rather than going to the source that I know has everything. And God, my friends, has everything. We're supposed to call upon him. Isaiah sets the record straight when he declares, call ye upon him while he is near. When we can't call on anyone else, we ought to be able to call on God. Jeremiah 33 and 3 says, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. I've learned, family, that spiritual opportunities do not stay around for long. Yeah, the, the, the appeal here is to use your spiritual opportunities well. Failure in the use of spiritual opportunities will lead to missed opportunities. Call ye upon him while he is near. The inference here is that it is possible for us to miss our window of opportunity. Call upon God. What, what, what a great prospect we have that God would even open up for us to have a chance to commune with him by way of prayer. Isaiah chapter 12, verse six says, let all the people of Jerusalem shout his praise with joy. For great is the Holy One of Israel who lives among you. Yeah, when people live among you, that means you're able to communicate with them regularly and consistently. Deuteronomy 4 7 says, For what great nation has a God as near to them as the Lord our God is near to us whenever we call on him? Here's the beauty of God God does not sleep and he does not slumber. That means that any time of day or night, that means any day of the week, that means any circumstance or situation that I find myself in, my God is always ready and available to hear from me. Now, my goodness, how many people can you say that about? That no matter what time you call, that no matter what the situation is, no matter what the circumstance is, no matter what day of the week it is, that you can call upon them and you know you can reach them. The question is not whether you can call. The question is, will they answer? And I'm here to tell you, our God not only hears, but he answers. Yeah, he, you, never, you never have to worry about getting a busy signal. There, there is no such thing as it going straight to voicemail when you're dealing with our God. Our God is always readily available to his children, hmm. Hmm. whom to seek. 
He says, seek ye the Lord while he may be found, but then when to seek, call ye upon him while he is near. But then lastly, family, in verse seven, which says, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him, him who, him, the wicked one, the unrighteous one, return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Not only does Isaiah share with us whom to seek, not only does he share with us when to seek, but he also gives us an indication of why to seek. The reason we need to seek God is because if the truth be told, there is some wickedness and some unrighteousness in us that requires cleansing from God. Yeah, there, there's, some, there's some wickedness and some unrighteousness, not only in our behavior, but even in our thoughts. And we need to return unto God. And guess what God does when we come back to him? He has mercy upon us. And to our God, he is willing to abundantly pardon us. In other words, God wipes the slate completely clean. You ain't on probation when you come before God and he wipes the slate clean. That means you have been acquitted of all of the charges. Yeah. This is the third imperative needed for consecrating your life to Christ. And it is repenting of your sinful ways. God said we are to forsake or abandon our sinful lifestyles and ungodly behavior. There must be a change in our thinking and a change in our living. This is where many of us struggle and fall off the bandwagon because we do not want to give up sinful stuff that has become habitual in our lives. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church, is said to have preached on this verse, Isaiah chapter 55, verse 7, over 200 times. Anyone can seek God, but in order to find him, we must be willing to turn from our wicked way. And I believe, family, that the corruption that exists and the lives of Christians is causing devastating consequences to the great country in which we live. Many believers have lost their saltiness, their savor, which has made them ineffective for Jesus and has encouraged more ungodliness in our current culture. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 says, Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. Salty in our culture carries a negative undertone. In the societal construct in which we live, the word salty refers to an unfavorable disposition an unfavorable mood, an unfavorable temperament, an unfavorable outlook. But the word of God tells us that we are the salt of the earth. Yeah, which means we're supposed to be salty. Get this, family. Yeah, somebody call you salty, tell them thank you. 
for the people of God being salty is a commendation. God has an expectation that his people would speak out against drunkenness, adultery, fornication, abortion, things of this nature that are wicked, wrong, criminal, and a transgression against the very nature of the God we serve. The word wicked in verse seven indicates people who are enemies of God and are enemies of God's people. The psalmist prayed to be rescued from the wicked in Psalm 17, 13. Those described by this word are evil and do not learn righteousness. Instead, they pursue their wicked ways among the righteous, but the Lord will eventually slay the wicked. That, that's what Isaiah chapter 11, verse four says. Isaiah chapter 11, verse four says, but with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth and with his breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. So, so listen, family, you, you don't want to be in that category. Amen. We, we don't want to be in that category. God has an expectation that his people would speak out against behavior that is antithetical to his will, to his way, and to his word. But, but note this, when we do, family, listen, people are going to proclaim that you are absurd. People are going to say that you're unreasonable and that you're unfair. People are going to say that you're irrational and illogical. But when your heart is fixed and your eyes are set toward God, you really aren't moved either way by what people say about you. Your desire and your aim is to please him. He tells us why we need to seek God. Second Chronicles 7.14 says it very simply. Many of you are familiar with this passage. If my people, not the people of the earth, but my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. <laughs> Whose wicked way? Their, their who? His people. Then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Family, we have a responsibility. Our, our families are depending upon us being right. Our neighborhoods are depending on us being right. The church is depending on us being right. The world is depending on us being right. Some of you may be familiar with the name Madeline Murray O'Hare. Yeah, she, she perhaps is the most notorious atheist of the 1900s. Often profane and sarcastic, she was a powerful debater who shouted down her religious opponents. After Miss O'Hare mysteriously disappeared in 1995, her diaries were auctioned off to pay back taxes she owed to the federal government. They reveal a very unhappy human being who didn't trust even the members of the American Atheist Association in which she was a part of. She passed this harsh judgment on herself in her diary. She wrote, I have failed in marriage. I have failed 
in motherhood and I failed as a politician. Yet she yearned for acceptance and friendship because she also wrote in her diaries six times, somebody, somewhere, love me. And I'm telling you, I believe that there are people listening today and it feels like nobody loves you. People have lied to you. They've mistreated you, abused you, left you, forsaken you. And it feels like you're just drifting in this world in and of yourself. I'm here to tell you there's an answer to your problem. There's an answer to the problem, and his name is Jesus. That's the answer to your problem. Isaiah tells us whom to seek. He says, seek ye the Lord while he may be found. And I'm telling you right here, right now, today, you ought to seek him because God is waiting for you to call upon his name. That's what he says whom to seek, but then he says when to seek, call ye upon him while he is near. And at the moment you feel the conviction, the tugging of your heart, I'm telling you, God is right there waiting for you to say, yes, Lord, here I am. Here I am. Here I am, Lord. He tells us whom to seek. He tells us when to seek. But then lastly, he tells us why to seek. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord. And he will have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Anybody that's listening right now, have you ever been forgiven of anything? Uh, Have you done some things that's just so atrocious, so defiled, so depraved, that you'd be embarrassed if anybody in the church even knew about it? Well, the fact of the matter is we serve a God that knows all about it. And guess what? He forgave me anyway. Somebody will say amen right there. He forgave me not just once, not just twice, not just 10 times or 20 times. Every single time I have called upon his name, God has forgiven me and wiped my slate clean because our God pardons abundantly. Yeah, yeah it, it's, it's magnanimous the way he pardons us. It, it's bigger than life itself. It doesn't even make sense is that God allows us to keep coming back and to keep coming back and to keep coming back. And not only does he allow us to come back, he encourages us to come back. Listen, family, seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. My God, if you don't receive that, something wrong with you. Something wrong with you. Listen, you want to be miserable. I know misery always likes company, but listen, don't put me in that category. I'm going to call upon God because I know he has a plan for me. Listen, family, we got to roll. We got to roll. We got to roll. The fundamental concepts of consecration to Christ, it requires that you understand and know some things. You have to know whom to seek. You have to know when to seek, and you have to know why to seek. Listen, family, we're out of minutes and moments, but we're never out of message. We got to go. We got to go. Listen, family, we love you. We appreciate you. And don't forget in this 2020 experience and all you're doing and all you're being and all you're getting, make sure God is glorified. Hello, family. It's Pastor Thomas, and I want to thank you for tuning in to the podcast today. We pray that something was said that encouraged and inspired your heart during this difficult time. I pray that you are being strong 
and that your spiritual resolve is being fortified and strengthened during this difficult time. To the Mount Sinai family, we want to encourage you, if you've not done so yet, to make sure that as you go on to the website, that you would take a moment to go on and hit the PayPal button and that you would send your tithes and your offerings to the church. We are still a church body and we are still in need of the financial support in which you provide on a consistent and regular basis. If you do not feel comfortable by sending your tithes and offerings by way of PayPal, you can feel free to send a money order or a check or cashier's check to the church. Uh, attention, uh, our secretary, Sister Lydia Haley, she'll make sure that the deacons get it. We ask that you please do not send cash to the church. And then also we want to encourage those of you who are listening in other states and other countries. We want to thank you for tuning in. I pray that you are encouraged today by that which you've heard. And also uh, for those of you who are unchurched and unsaved, I pray that this not take the place of uh, a local ministry for you, but that you would go and find a Bible preaching, Bible teaching and God fearing church to join with and become a part of that you might go forth sowing much fruit in the kingdom of God. Family, we love you and we thank God for you. And remember, God will be glorified.